we got the alternative energy right. for nuclear free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela and we're coming to you from the lands of the Kulin Nation and we acknowledge the unceded sovereignty of all First Nations across this continent. The World Beyond War is a global movement to end all wars and on the 28th of August they announced that they are awarding their Organisational War Abolisher of 2023 to Wage Peace Australia. So first up, we're joined by Margaret Pistorius from Wage Peace. Thank you so much, Margaret, for joining us on the show. Hey, Michaela. First up, can you tell us about the origins of Wage Peace as an organisation? Yeah, well, we, we grew out of some of the work done around Pine Gap and uh, this small anti-militarism work that was done uh, by small groups, Talisman Sabre, Resisting Talisman Sabre, in around 2016-17. And it was a point at which we noticed that we, were having, we had more websites that we could keep um, track of the passwords for and we needed some sort of... Um, you know, centralised way of looking after the data because people, there were so many sort of ordinary people involved and people went back to their lives and we lost, we kept losing, um, you know, who looked after this website, who was doing this, who was doing that. And we just tried to create a sort of a hub by which the smaller action groups and crews could have a foundation from which they could bounce new projects. Fantastic. And congratulations to all those involved with Wage Peace for winning this fantastic award and being recognised by the international peacemaking community. Yeah, well, it's been really great. You know, we really want to acknowledge how many, you know, that this is not award for us, but for our crews, our strategists. You know, we have strategic crews, we have um, people who take actions. We've got our broader community that includes activists in the climate movement who come across and um, use their great courage and experience for tactics. Um, and then we've got uh, a little organisational crew that sort of keeps the platforms and keeps things running. Um, you know, we're inspired by groups like Code Pink in the US or um, Friends of the Earth um, when it, you know, and it's strong sort of direct action sort of background. So we like to build an organisation that is using direct action but also organising and doing the research necessary for well-founded and strategised direct action. Um, but I guess the thing we're most... What, what the US crew were most interested in was um, our work around disrupting land forces, the big weapons in industry event that was held in Brisbane in 21 and then again in 22 and our ability to mobilise in Australia against that as well as uh, hook up other organisations across the globe that have been working against weapons industry events, expos and we've been in contact with friends in Canada, London, Korea and Colombia, all of which have large weapons expos in their regions. And um, Brisbane was uh, was slated for this large one. But we've kicked them out, and they're now going to Melbourne. And so um, 
you know, so we feel very proud that we got rid of them from Melbourne and we feel very sorry for you, but we also know that Melbourne will also probably kick them out because Melbourne has such a great history of uh, collaborative organising and mobilisation. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the aspects, I guess, of your work, like you mentioned, connecting up internationally, I know there's been a strong focus on supporting First Nations people and honouring the uh, frontier wars and also connecting up with our close neighbours in West Papua. Tell us about where that work is at at the moment. Yeah, so our, you know, we, our foundation, of course, is First Nations First and thinking about First Nations First and the impact of militarisation on First Nations people. And we uh, hold a frontier war ceremony, um, one of our crews holds that every year in, in Cairns as a people-to-people acknowledgement of what happened in the frontier wars that we do um, in close collaboration, of course, with the Gimawalaba Yudinji there. And what we had been thinking at that time was that one of the reasons we thought that non-Indigenous people struggle to understand war in Australia is that we uh, just wipe it out. It's like a terra nullius. Uh, on frontier wars is we just pretend that didn't happen, that those people didn't exist, that that era never happened. And so we think it's very important to shove the idea of the frontier wars in front of people's faces so that they can start to think of the true history of this country and acknowledge that. And that becomes the psychological basis by which people can understand uh, our other militarised relationships, our current militarised relationships and the projected militarised relationships we have with both um Indigenous people, First Nations people, and uh, other societies uh, such as uh, China or Taiwan or uh, Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, these places that we have uh, waged war on over the last 20 or 30 years in the most horrendous and horrific ways. Um, so, so that's important. And then we are also noticing that Australia is organising to export to Indonesia primarily and that West Papuans are our closest neighbours and we actually have friends in West Papua and West Papuans live amongst us. So it's important to us that they are our solidarity focus because they are right there bearing the brunt of a militarised Indonesia which is being militarised and assisted by both Australia and the US. And, of course, the U.S. is behind the uh, extraordinary um, increase in militarisation. And um, so, yeah, it's important to us to keep those, the people who are on the front line and front line affected and remember the resistance of both the people in West Papua now and over the last 50 years and the people in Australia, the Aboriginal people now on Kokoda country, for example, resisting the rockets and uh, resist uh, the people who resisted Maralinga and the people who have resisted um, the weaponisation and the militarisation of their land by the British for the last 200 years. Mm, yeah, so important. And... Of course, as you mentioned, the increased or deepening relationship with the US military that we're seeing so distinctly with the AUKUS pact and the tensions and increasing violence that that causes in this region, in the Pacific. And has that sort of seen an awakening in people's uh, consciousness about the increased militarisation that we're seeing here? Yeah, I think there is an awakening. 
but it's this is nothing new, right? But um, there's this interesting thing that I think your listeners uh, would appreciate, and it's this sort of um, the juxtaposition of the security discourse against the commerce discourse. And both are important. You can't wipe one out um, and just have one be the only discourse. But our concern is the security discourse gets too much airtime when really we think the security discourse is a justification for the commerce discourse and that the commerce discourse is, in, in fact, primary. That is the control of the weapons companies over the sale of their product and that really what's going on here is big companies wanting to sell more and more of these high-tech, high-cost um, weapons, whether they're drones or, or helicopters or jet fighters, ships. Like ships are really big weapons. And submarines, these are all weapons. And really the weapons companies, their whole business model is to build more of these over longer periods of time so they're tied up They've got governments tied up in these contracts for for, for decades, and um, we think that the, that the wars are, in a way, a justification, in one way, to pay for the weapons, but also as a justification. Because if we were at peace, who would put up with spending twenty, thirty to forty billion a year on weapons? And that's what Australian is spending right now is uh, somewhere between twenty to forty billion on weapons projects, um, really trying to ramp up their military-industrial complex. And you can hear our um, podcast talk more about this on called Get Your Armies Off Our Bodies because there's this sense that this military enterprise is taking over our bodies, taking over our land, taking over our societies. And we think that it's commerce that's driving this and there's quite a lot of evidence that this is true, um, um, you know, which I could go into here, but I won't. But it, you can follow us on Twitter and see some of our what we're talking about there. But we really think that what's more important than AUKUS and war with China is to remember the role of the weapons companies right in the heart of that. They are on the boards of the think tanks. They are funding the think tanks. They're funding the discourses. And they are pushing for war because war is at the heart of their industry. And the hopeful thing, which I think people will be... I don't know if you'll be surprised, but when you think about it, it's like the hopeful thing is that the U.S. has too many orders for weapons. It's got too many factories. It's got too many projects. And they can't actually supply the resources or the engineers for those projects, which is why they've come to Australia. They're actually looking for your sons and daughters um, in the schools and the universities. They're looking for your sons and daughters to come over to the dark side and make the Death Stars of the future, to make the weaponized drone, to make the submarine. Uh, there's 20 to 30 billion of projects that Australia is trying to get itself involved in right now. The, the submarines are for the future, right? They're already doing it now, and this is something I can't say more, more clearly, but it's happening now. The submarines are the future. It's only a new one new project on top of 20 to $30 billion worth of projects that are occurring right now in Australia, and a trillion dollars worth of projects happening in the US. So the, even the submarine projects in the US, they don't they're five thousand dollar five thousand engineers short for some of their engineer for their uh, submarine projects. So they're coming after your sons and your daughters, and in your schools, and that's where we're heading with Wage Peace too. Is this idea of the um, demilitarised education, uh, trying to stop this pipeline of 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 
engine engineers and had young engineers because engineers love being engineers. They just love it. I don't know if any of you know engineers, but they love solving problems and doing STEM and young women love it. But they they need to be finding projects that are for good and not for death. And this is where we're heading really. This is the discourse we're heading this to talk to every engineer we know about projects for good and for life um, at this point in, in a terrible moment in history that this moment of you know, catastrophic climate crisis um, and building for war. We need engineers right now pulling themselves away from these weapons projects and putting themselves into renewables and problem-solving projects of repair. Mm. Fantastic. Well, that's a perfect place to end our conversation, Margaret, because we've got uh, Fran and Hamish talking to us about the Subs in Schools program um, awesome. after after a short break. Um, so thank you again and congratulations to all at Wage Peace. If people want to find out more, you can go to wagepeaceau.org and also check out the podcast, Get Your Armies Off Our Bodies. We're going to play the trailer now, but any final words before we go out with that? No, we're going to have some uh, learning circles on the podcast, so keep an eye out on our webpage for those learning circles. Join, uh, get our emails. We don't send emails that often, and we love you on our cruise, and come and join us in the real world because that's where we really are. We try to be in the real world more than online, so... um, yeah, join us. Perfect. Thank you so much, Margaret Pistorius. I'll tell you a story. So at the time I was 10 years old when war was declared. I still manage to be shocked by the extent of how bad it is. Australia is massively expanding its very own military-industrial complex. I would never have dreamed what what goes on actually goes on. A mass exporter of violence. And weapons companies stand to make billions. A mass exporter of death. The goal is to get into the top ten. The tenth largest defence exporter in the world. And he's starting to ask questions too, like, Nana, what will we do if they they bomb this place? Where, Where will we go? thinking that I could be moral within such a circumstance as war. And no, you cannot be. You become an agent of that war's immorality, no matter who you think you are. There were boys who were my my friend. Over the years, you see them. They are being killed. I'll tell you a story. This cannot continue. Something has to give. These are our stories. I was shocked to disbelief watching grandmas be arrested against the war machine. That's where my whole journey just escalated. We do not want to see another black young man or young lady shot by white man bullet. I think it was Amos was like, that's them, that's them, follow them. And it was there in that moment on the water, a ceremony and a connection happened that was so incredibly powerful and beautiful and brief. But I would like to see our dreams come true, that we can have somewhere we can call home and be safe. Safe from greed. Get your armies off our bodies. 
a podcast by Wage Peace. How are we going to heal this world in the stress and heed the message and learn the lessons? Lessen the pain for my people in the trenches. War when the senses. Can we ever end this? You're tuned to the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR on the lands of the Kulin Nation and broadcast across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. And I'm joined now by two teachers who are saying no to defence in the curriculum. I have Hamish... McPherson and Francis. Uh, Hamish is a primary school teacher in regional Victoria and a delegate of the Australian Education Union. And Francis is a secondary school teacher. Thank you, Francis and Hamish, for joining us on the Radioactive Show. Now, uh, the subs in schools has obviously been uh, running for a long time, a sort of collaboration of re-engineering Australia and the Defence Force. And we've covered a little bit about the military funding these STEM projects in schools on the show. But the recent announcement of the Defence Department's Nuclear Propelled Submarine Challenge has really seen teachers organising in a much stronger way. Fran, do you want to start by telling us a bit about how you started this work? Um, Well, I've been involved with the Nuclear Free Collective for a long while since I did a radioactive tour. I've done a couple of radioactive tours through the desert, like info, kind of amazing information adventures where you visit different sites and um, that sort of sparked the interest. And then I moved up to um, Dallas uh, 2017 or so and joined um, the Hume Sustainability Task Force, um, which is where my first kind of um, interaction with this kind of activism began. Um, I'm also a teacher um, yeah, and a member of the AU, so I've got some news about the latest AU meeting from Thursday the 31st of August as well. Ah, fantastic. And Hamish, tell us about how you got started working on this. Yeah, so I'm a primary teacher in regional Victoria and I've uh, been following the AUKUS story because I have you know, concerns about that major new defence alliance. And we receive a weekly email from the Department of Education which outlines initiatives in teaching and learning. And we were really surprised to see and uh, this project being advertised by the Victorian Department of Education, the Nuclear Powered Propulsion Challenge. Um, it's clearly stated as a joint initiative between the Department of Defence and an organisation called STEM Hub, which ostensibly promotes science and technology learning in schools, but is actually funded by the BAE Systems Company, which is a major weapons uh, manufacturing company. And alongside all the other positive initiatives, this just um, struck myself and others as really inappropriate as, a, as an initiative in, in our schools. Okay, and what what has happened since then? Yeah, so we um, we had a, a regional meeting of the Australian Education Union here in the Benalla region, and it was a well attended meeting because we have some real issues around staff shortages and working condition issues that we needed to discuss. But we also had this project on the agenda, and when I brought it to the attention of my colleagues, it was very strong feeling among people that this is really not appropriate 
curriculum in our school. Um, there was real concerns from my colleagues about the way the curriculum is so um, biased in favour of this nuclear technology and a very military agenda. Usually when we teach in schools, it's about encouraging genuine inquiry and a balanced approach to learning. And this particular project is completely biased. It doesn't, um, it doesn't even attempt to offer students a chance to analyse nuclear technology um, and, and the risks associated with that or some of the potential dangers. Uh, yeah, possibly um, if I just that, out, that... outline... I could outline the, the project as it's described... If that was useful. Yes, yes, please. Yeah, yeah. So the, the nuclear powered propulsion challenge um, calls for teams of students to work on designing plans for submarine nuclear propulsion. And according to the actual website, to quote directly from that, it aims to develop students' interests in STEM subjects, the Australian Defence Force, and submariner careers in the Navy, and offers an analysis or ask students to provide analysis of the capabilities of nuclear-powered submarines versus diesel-electric submarines. So by its stated intentions, it's really around promoting nuclear and military technology to young people, promoting that interest in a career in defence and promoting and normalising uh, nuclear technology for military purposes. So, yeah, we have real concerns around that and we passed a resolution uh, opposing this project and really calling on the Department of Education to cease involvement and participation in, these, in this program and similar programs. Yeah. But, but the good news is the same, um, the same happened on the 31st of August in, the, in a... Um, the AU Inner North meeting, um, members of the meeting voted on the motion to re that refuses to refer students to this program or others like it. So the same thing just happened in the Inner North AU meeting, yes, which I was present at. Yeah, yeah that's that, a that... terrific development and that now brings to three regions of the Victorian Australian Education Union that have passed that resolution and it really builds on some work that's been happening interstate through the New South Wales Teachers Federation also, um, who have raised much more general concerns around the whole AUKUS uh, nuclear submarine program and military alliance. And some policy that the Australian Education Union has been developing around general concerns about the role of private companies increasingly in the curriculum, essentially privatising parts of the curriculum development in what's offered to schools. Yeah, because my understanding is that the Victorian Education Department has a policy around partnerships and collaboration that states that alongside alcohol and tobacco companies, schools must not engage in a partnership with companies involved in the sale or promotion of firearms and organisations involved in offensive or inappropriate activity. So it would appear to even breach the Victorian Education Department's own guidelines, yet this is quite a widespread issue. Yeah, that's right. I think that... 
certainly a, a, a nuclear-powered submarine. The weapon system could certainly be um, classified as a form of firearms, but I think in any case we uh, will be campaigning for a strengthening of that policy to be much clearer around a prohibition on uh, military programs in our schools. Mm. Unfortunately, I think we are seeing a real uh, expansion of, of moves in this direction following the AUKUS Pact um, being signed. I think that we've had some some involvement in Department of Defence curriculum, but it's been mainly um, around Anzac Day and other military anniversaries in that sense. Whereas this very blatant curriculum directly around designing nuclear propelled submarines is a, as a direct product of AUKUS and I think that we really do need to campaign and get much clearer policies to prevent this kind of misuse of education. I think it's you know it's one thing for students to be learning about warfare in a history sense or learning about conflict um, but it's quite another thing to be um, teaching students to be, you know, trained for militarism. Um, that's a very different purpose, which I think we need to take a strong stance against. Mm. Do you think there's much awareness or concern from parents about these programs? I think, I think there will be once more people find out about this. Uh, I mean, to be clear, these projects are optional programs, so... It's not part of the mandated curriculum. And in that sense, um, alongside teachers taking a clear position of not participating in this, there'll be, you know, through, through union organisations, there'll be many teachers exercising professional judgment and deciding as a teaching team that this is not appropriate in their school setting. Um, but I think that there will be there will be community and parental concern, and rightly so, about this distortion of our of our curriculum and, and schooling agenda. Mm. So if people want to find out more or get involved in this work, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? There's a couple of organisations um, doing some terrific work coordinating this. There's an organisation called Teachers for Peace, which can be um, found online. And there is also the Friends of the Earth Anti-Nuclear Collective, which uh, has a terrific website that brings together resources and information around around the question. So I think they'd be good starting points for other teachers, educators or community members who'd like to support um, our campaign in this area. I was just going to uh, bring up the, the notion next week the AU is meeting about this, some of the AU leadership. So we'll have a little bit more information early next week. There's also a um, forum next Wednesday evening that Nuclear Free Collective will host where the Medical Association for the Prevention of War will also be on the panel. Um, it'll be a panel open for teachers, parents, activists to talk about this um, proposal. And then also we could possibly motion um, people in their various councils can also get active. In 2019, Hume City Council passed the motion to endorse the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, the ICANN Cities campaign. So people in their various councils can also lobby their councils to adopt this campaign and then bring it to the wider focus of what's happening with AUKUS and this nuclear propulsion challenge.
Brilliant. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much, Francis and Hamish, for joining us on the Radioactive Show, and we'll be continuing to follow this closely. We'll get an update uh, with some more information about this campaign soon, and we'll also place links to all this information and events on the podcast notes, 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.